0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of Book Solid. Uh, I'm James. I'm your host.
1: I'm your host, Kathleen. And I'm your
2: new host, Kat.
0: And we've got a very special guest with us today for this very special episode.
2: Hi, I'm Sam Connell, and I was a, a previous member of this podcast, so it's a lovely return. Welcome back. Thank you.
0: So in this episode, we are just going to talk about books that we have enjoyed this summer, as well as books that we are looking forward to reading in the fall. So, Kathleen, would you like to get us started with one of your books that you've read this summer that you really enjoyed?
1: Uh, I would. The first book I wanted to talk about today is Ducks by Kate Beaton, which is a graphic memoir about her time in the oil fields of Alberta. And uh, I know that does not sound exciting, but this book is harrowing and amazing and wild, and it was, it was by far the most affecting, most memorable thing that I read this summer. It will traumatize you, but in the best possible way.
2: What kind of trauma? Uh,
1: so, Sam, I... <laughs> I,
2: I know, I've been through some trauma with you, and I need to know what kind.
1: For our listeners of our previous seasons of Book Solid, you might remember that Sam and I love trauma.
2: Mm.
1: And, <laughs> in fact, many of the books that we chose were traumatizing in unique and interesting ways. So, in this one... Kate basically goes off to these oil fields to pay off her student loans. If you work there for two years, you can make a ton of money. And you know, you're basically set if you go through terrible things. I, I imagine she thinks it's going to go better than it does. But um, the cost of this, this journey is pretty intense. So we see the environmental impact on the natural landscape. And then what's happening to Kate on a personal level, uh, just the human cost of what happens when you live in a place where you're kind of outside of society, and everyone's sort of maybe not living, not adhering to the rules that they would normally adhere to. So that kind of trauma, Sam.
2: Okay, all right. I actually
3: picked this up on Kathleen's recommendation this summer and had to read it in a couple sittings because of the trauma. It's also the trauma of being a woman, of like three women in a field dominated by men Mm -hmm. who are separated from their community and feel entitled to your time um, and to harass you at basically every corner. One of the things that really stuck with me is how Kate is haunted by this idea that like, her father could have been become like one of these men. What are they like at home? Is it the situation that makes them so capable of violence and harassment, or is it who they actually are?
2: Um, this book was amazing. And I only didn't put it on my list because Kathleen put it on hers first. <laughs> OK, so I, I think I might be up. For, it's, it's, it's a good, enriching trauma. It's not like I'll be on the floor panicking because there's like, because you have said to me, murder is your comfort food.
1: It's different from that, but it may have you on the floor. It's, I mean, there's so much to think about. It's very literary, even though it is this memoir. I mean, the way it's structured, she really puts you in that moment, in in who she is at that time. So it's not even really retrospective so much as you're kind of learning and discovering what's happening as she is. So, you know, you're you're right there with her as like a 22-year-old. This harrowing journey is kind of unfolding before you as well. So it's very visceral.
2: All right, I think I'm in. (laughs) with trepidation, but I'm in. All right. Okay, so I I have to ask. Did all three of you read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow? Yes. No. I did not. Oh, okay, good. So I can try to sell you on this. Um, So I read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin early this summer when I wanted something lighter, and I think my solution for that was to listen to the book, and the audio book is excellent. It was the kind of experience i had where it started where i just needed something to do on long car rides before you know it i was on the treadmill in the kitchen i was in bed like panicking that i might fall asleep and miss something i enjoyed it so thoroughly so the book is about i think in a word friendship but it follows a story of sam maser and sadie green They're uh, these brilliant kids, and the story introduces them to us when they run into each other in a Boston subway station. They're students at Harvard and MIT, and the book brings you through decades of their relationship. Sadie was a good friend of Sam's when he was in the hospital recovering from a horrific accident that affects his life in so many ways when he was uh, a young child, and so... It follows their story, and then it introduces a third friend who uh, is also really neat. And it's it's almost a three-way friendship, and what I love about the book is that it talks about the gaming industry, um, and so they basically decide to build a game together, which, every time I explain that to someone and try to book talk this story, people sort of gloss over there, just like, oh gosh, no, I don't want to read, you know, a gaming book. But I'm not a gaming person. I've never really been into gaming, but I loved this book. I think what Gabrielle Zevin does so well is relationships, so it's a strong recommend from me.
0: This is a great book. We, uh, we actually read it. The <laughs> library has a, a new book group uh, uh, that we've actually created, the Book Talk book group, covering books that are popular on social media right now, and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is hitting really big, and we actually covered this. So it was an incredible talk. Everyone seemed to really love it, and having read it again recently for that, great story.
3: I'm a huge fan of gaming and I actually love hearing developers talk about video games because the more you learn about it, the more you're like, humans are amazing that we can make this at all. Um, and I'm really fascinated by the ways in which artist friendship can define a work. So you've just bumped it to the top of my list, especially as an audio book. Delighted to hear that. Um, I really struggled to pick. Three books, because I've read a lot of good books this summer, but I think the one that I want to recommend, because I think I wanted to reach a wider audience, is How Far the Light Reaches, a memoir in 10 sea creatures by Sabrina Imbler. This is, as the title suggests, literally every chapter takes a different sea creature, and Imbler uses that as an avenue to explore a different aspect of their life. So an early chapter covers how mother octopuses will starve themselves for their children, become their children's first meal, and they use that as a way to discuss... Um, their own relationship with their body and their disordered eating as they came of age, and their mother's relationship with disordered eating and how they both would disparage their bodies to each other, in front of each other, and the way that that affected their bond. Um, This is a really unique book. I've never read anything like it. I would say there's only one chapter where the animal metaphor felt, frankly, just a little stretched. But for 10 chapters on such diverse topics, um, I really found this to be a very breathtaking work. My favorite chapter was about uh, ecosystems that emerge around hydrothermal vents at the bottom of the ocean. Very cool, Um, wow. And they used this to discuss moving to Seattle and having no community until they found this little dive bar, like a pop-up queer bar that would just show up in different bars around the city different nights. And it only lasted one summer and then was gone, much like these ecosystems, because the hydrothermal vents don't last that long. And the ways that they explored community and bodies through animal
1: life was just fascinating to me, really masterfully done.
0: That sounds cool. Sounds great.
1: That sounds really interesting. And a little bit of foreshadowing, but I think I'm particularly <laughs> interested in it because of what yes. we're doing for our first book of next season, which we will we will discuss at the end of this.
0: Alright, uh, one of the books that I really love this summer, probably the one I liked the most, was A Stranger in Olandria by Sophia samatar which is a fantasy book about a man named Jevik, who's a young man from an island raised in kind of the shadow of this vast, powerful nation called Olandria and becomes infatuated with its culture, especially its tradition of reading and and learning. And when eventually he goes and travels there, first of all, he immediately falls in love with this beautiful port city that's full of history and everything, and he completely falls for it. But he also becomes possessed, or maybe he goes insane. People are kind of differing about what happens to him, but... Whatever happens to him throws him into a situation where he is forced to reckon with political turmoil and strife within this country and be used as kind of a pawn that takes him into all sorts of experiences from being like a traveling prophet to being at the highest heights of society and being around that kind of area. Fascinating book. Incredible use of language. So beautiful. The book has this obsession with Reading and the idea of histories and culture and all of these really meaningful things about society. And it's all in the context of this fantasy book, but I couldn't stop reading it. I was completely enthralled with this. I was blown away.
2: How long is the book?
0: It's not very long.
3: No, I want to say it's. What, 300, 350 pages? Yeah. Samatar is like one of my immediate bi authors. Whenever I see something new that she's coming out with, I was introduced to her work through A Stranger in Alondria. And um, her newest book is actually a memoir called The White Mosque, which is about a group of German Mennonites who um, traveled to Uzbekistan in the 19th century because they believed that uh, Jesus would return in Uzbekistan in the East. It is a really fascinating look, so if you're interested in beautiful writing, but you're not into fantasy, I would Mm -hmm. definitely recommend her memoir as well. I love the specificity of that. You know what I love about Samatar is she takes these very niche topics, and she manages to weave them into this broader human tapestry. It's absolutely
2: fascinating. Okay, I'm going to circle it and put it on my list, but I... I should say, James, that you've never recommended a book to me that I liked.
0: <laughs> Incorrect. I recommended one book to a minute. That you liked. Wait
2: a minute. One book. <laughs> yes. One yes. book. Yes. 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 It I've was the very the first time I met you. Yeah. So it's been downhill Beginner's since Beginner's <laughs> luck. And what book was that? It was...
0: The um, Schwab's seminal classic, the...
2: What was it? Vicious? No. No, the, no. It was... Um, Invisible Life like of Addie, Addie, LaRue. Addie LaRue. Us. Us. Uh, so you're shout like shout out to the podcast episode which we did for the
0: podcast. Which we
2: did That's for the
1: right. Podcast.
2: That's right. So you're like what one in ten? <laughs>
0: it's a good one.
3: Yeah. If it helps, Sam, I pushed this book on James. Okay. So it's sort of like from me by proxy. So if you hate it, you can blame me instead of James.
2: All right. I'm gonna, you know, but you know, it's not fair. If I like it, James is going to take credit for it.
0: <laughs> I will not take credit for it if you like it.
2: <laughs> All right. It's on my list. All
1: right, so the next book that I want to recommend is Lone Women by Victor Laval. So this one is kind of a, a random premise. I was really intrigued just because of how unique it is. Uh, so it starts out the year is 1915. Adelaide Henry has this enormous steamer trunk she's taking with her. You meet her when she's basically setting her house on fire with dead bodies inside and going on a trip up north to claim land in Montana as a homesteader. And she's, she's going to become one of these lone women, which is a real historical thing. Uh, that I just learned about from this book. So it's actually historical fiction, in addition to being, as you can imagine, with the seamer trunk that's mysterious and their tapping sounds and things coming from inside, a horror book. But, um, so so she is this single black woman who moves to Montana because of this kind of like loophole in the system. All of these women are moving alone to Montana because they can all claim land if they homestead for like three years or so. And, And it's really harsh. And really unforgiving environment. But, you know, there's a whole community there, and, and she is very resourceful. And then there's the horror stuff where you're like, what's in the trunk? What happens when it gets out of the trunk? And, uh, and it's, it's so fascinating. It's so interesting. So I definitely recommend if you like, even if you don't like historical fiction, honestly, because I'm not a big fan. I do like horror. I think that genre element with historical fiction and the mystery of what's in the trunk makes it a really great read.
0: That was on my list of things to read, and it's just jumped right back onto there. Agreed. Yes, same here.
2: (laughs) So the next book I want to recommend is Ordinary Grace. I went and saw our friends down at Elm Street Books, and they gave me this great recommendation, and I loved it. So the book is about... it's sort of this coming of age 13-year-old in Minnesota in this like sleepy little town with a railroad track that runs through it. And if if you've ever watched the movie Stand by Me, it kind of it kind of has like notes of that. But the book starts with a with a troubling death and then he says in the beginning, you know, there were there was a series of deaths that summer. It it is so beautifully written. The relationships again, that always does it for me with the main character Frank and his brother um, who has a stutter and how that affects the way they deal. And the, and the brother sort of follows him around, and then there's sort of something to figure out. There's the police in town, and his father is the town pastor. And so it's fascinating from the point of view of the son of the pastors and how much trouble they get into and how there's some real terrible tragedy. But for me, and I don't, I don't really love things that delves into faith I just found such beautiful writing about belief and love and family and what we do to get through this time on earth together and celebrate. So I was blown away by it, and I really enjoyed it. That
3: really segues well into the book
2: that I'm going to talk about, which is also
3: about faith in a lot of ways. I found a lot of inspiration in Hijab Butch Blues, which is by a writer who uses the name Lamia H. And they discuss how deeply they are committed to their identity as a Muslim and how uh, seriously they take their faith while also being a lesbian. Um, And the intersections of that identity and the ways in which they feel ostracized in many cases by their Muslim community and by the broader LGBTQ community, which can be extremely Islamophobic. The way that they threaded that needle and found people who understood every part of who they were and found community through their faith and through their queer identity was so inspiring to me. I really recommend it if you're looking for a memoir from a unique voice.
0: All right, well, my next book is Yellow Face by R.F. Kwong. You'll recognize that author's name because they wrote Babel, which is one of our darlings (laughs) at this podcast. And
2: Another podcast shout-out. So
0: this is a book about a woman named June Hayward, who is a struggling author who can't seem to catch a break, uh, unlike her friend Athena Liu, who is a rising star in the literary world There is an unfortunate freak accident where June and Athena are together, and Athena winds up dying. And June, in maybe a panic, maybe something else, somehow winds up with Athena's unpublished manuscript for her next novel. And June decides that she's going to publish that novel as her own work and kind of not tell anyone else about it. And this, somewhat problematic, I think we'd all agree, it gets a little weirder when, when she goes to the publishers who are very interested in this. They decide, well, the book is about Chinese laborers during World War I, which was something that Athena was very interested in, that she was writing about. And as June presents this to her publisher, the publisher's like, well, maybe we should change your name to Juniper Song and have racially ambiguous author photos. And maybe you should do some outreach to certain communities that you might not actually interact with. I flipped this. And. <laughs> And as this is happening, June is thinking to herself, yeah, this is all right. I'm doing okay. This is fine. And it's a book which is interesting because she keeps making these justifications to herself. Mm. And you're stuck in the first person in her head as she keeps making these decisions to protect her secret, to further enhance her fame and her, her popularity and her fortunes. And as it keeps on going, you wonder, what won't she do to keep this a secret? And... I really enjoyed it. I like being a character's head who I don't like at all.
3: <laughs> from what I've heard from people who work in publishing as well, like it's a satire, but it's not far from how things actually happen. It's pretty scathing. You know, I, I think much like Hollywood, publishing loves a book about itself, right? Uh, but that doesn't mean there's not really valuable critique to be had. Mm-hmm.
1: So for my last book, I wanted to recommend Cosmo by Hannah Templer, uh, which is just a lot of fun.
0: Great choice. <laughs>
1: So, I mean, the the synopsis on the book just really says it all. For this ragtag band of space gays, liberation means beating the patriarchy at its own game. Like, you don't really need anything else after that. You don't need (laughs) anything else after that. I'm convinced. (laughs) So the art is so colorful and vivid. You know, there's lots of fun action. It takes place in space. But there's also, like, this gladiatorial jousting kind of element, which I will say I'm not even super into, like, this neo-medieval space kind of, Situation normally. Like, this isn't something that I even think I would pick up based on that context. But the characters are so charming and charismatic and interesting. There are like a lot of great mysteries and a lot of cliffhangers and things like that. I loved the first volume. The second volume just came out in June. So um, I revisited the first volume and then I immediately started reading the second one this summer. And it was even better than the first. I would pretty much recommend it to everyone because it's just a really great graphic novel, quick read, and a lot of fun. Good adventure
2: okay my turn so the last book i'm going to recommend is the essential new york times cookbook by amanda hesser i have been following amanda hesser for over 20 years she used to write memoir type books she wrote the cook in the gardener she wrote cooking for mr latte and i wanted to be amanda hesser when i grew up she was the editor the food editor at the new york times and she had all of these great articles insight. now why am i recommending this as a read well I have to be honest, it is the book that I most enjoyed reading this summer. There we go. <laughs> there yes. we go. Um, the backstory on this is that I asked my, it came out last year. I asked my family for this book for the holidays, which, of course, nobody followed through on. And I, <laughs> <laughs> Oof. so I finally, late this spring, early this summer, got a copy for myself. It probably weighs five pounds. And then I sat on my sofa and read it page for page. And I loved it so dearly. It's not like reading a regular cookbook. Amanda Hesser does such a great job of talking about who we were as Americans, who we were, what we ate, what we did. You know, little things like what was that weird kale moment, and you know, like <laughs> you know, the the whole decade of balsamic vinegar and Man. and she's hilarious because she, when she was editing this, you know, she's like, there are some things that we just want to pretend never happened, like aspic, right, and all oh, of that. No. But she adds such wit. She's like a really good friend offering advice about what to cook and how to cook it and Mm -hmm. what's important to keep and what's important to leave behind us. It does also read like a memoir of the entire American culinary scene.
3: Oh my gosh. I love looking for good cookbook recommendations and... My heart just lit up as you were describing it. I'm so excited. So good. (laughs) All right, for my last pick, I actually picked something fun because the first two I recommended were kind of heavier memoirs. Um, And that's Witch King by Martha Wells. This is a standalone high fantasy novel. I read a lot of books by debut authors this summer, and then I picked up Witch King, and I was like, this is the hand of someone who's been writing a long time. Um, What I loved about this book is there's not really exposition dumps she throws you in the deep end and is like, I trust you as a reader. You're going to figure out this complex world, these politics, you will figure it out, which I personally prefer as a reader. I would rather be confused than have someone sit down and say, here's the king and he became the king in the last war. Like in fantasy, I don't want things explained to me that much. I also thought that the pacing of the mystery unfolded really well. I read this as an audiobook on a couple weeks worth of very long drives and it made it bearable even in summer traffic. So highly recommend
0: Yeah, Martha Walls, great author, long, long long-time author in the fantasy science fiction scene. Incredible, incredible work. Uh, My final one is another fantasy book. Surprise, surprise. It is He Who Drowned the World by Shelley Parker Chan. This is actually a sequel to She Who Became the Sun, which is the story of how a peasant girl basically rises up to be one of the main claimants for the imperial chinese throne which is currently being held by the mongols Mm. through a series of events uh, and her own gumption her never quit attitude and child murder she's basically poised (laughs) right right along with a few other contenders to take that throne and in this book those other contenders start making their moves and it's a very dark book, very kind of backroom court politics along with some pretty violent military maneuvers things like that. Lots of scheming. Some fantasy elements are present in this book a little more than in the previous one, but I really enjoyed this one. I thought it was a great ending. It was it was a duology, so yeah. it was just it's only two. So, quick kind of quick to get through when it comes to epic fantasy, but I loved it. Great action, great characters, very complicated characters, really, really good read.
3: I read She Who Became the Sun this summer, and the child murder caught me off guard. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the whole book, you're like, you're really ambitious. Like, are you going to go to what it takes to take the Imperial throne? Because, like, you're going to have to do some serious war crimes. And she was like, yeah, I'm ready to do the war crimes. I'm ready to do a child murder. And she, she, she did.
0: She presses the war crime she button. She presses the war crime she button. Um the switch.
3: Um, and I'm really excited to see how it all goes wrong. For all right. I'm going to bump that up to my list.
0: All right, that was every book that we read this summer that we wanted to recommend on the podcast. Next up, we're going to talk about what we want to read in the fall. Kathleen, do you want to start us up again with this?
1: Sure. And James, I know that you are like an advanced reading copy maniac, so you've already read this book. I've read
0: many of these books, I think, (laughs) probably.
1: Uh, So the first book that I wanted to talk about was The September House by Carissa Orlando, which comes out in September. So this is about a woman determined to stay in her dream home, even after it becomes haunted and the walls start dripping blood. Uh, so she has this <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> This
0: book is incredible. I have to say it. But of
2: course.
3: <laughs> Listen, you know how hard it is to buy a house in this economy? It's and this is why Italian. I want,
1: This is why I want to read it, because I'm like, I get it. Yeah, and oh also, I love the idea that it's haunted, but only in September. So I feel like you can work through that. Like, that's not a deal breaker. So I'm excited. I mean, I'm all about spooky season. And i like, once it becomes fall, once it hits September, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be reading spooky books. So this seems like the perfect spooky book for that. And I don't know what happens with Margaret yet, but I'm on her side about staying in this house. Okay. <laughs> Let me Let's see how that <laughs> ends for her.
0: Let me tell you, if I was Margaret, I would have gotten out of the house when the kid jumped at me. That's all I'm saying.
3: Okay. But it's well. one
2: month. You can stay with a friend for a month.
3: Yeah, exactly. Just be like, I'll see you in a month take your little depression moment, have it over here.
2: (laughs) I'm gonna go. House is yours. House
3: is yours.
2: (laughs) So I don't know that much about this book intentionally. And that's because one of the books I read this summer, I was holding it and one of my friends gave me a synopsis that told me more than I wanted to know going through the book. So I actually love, like I don't even need a lot of detail. I want to kind of experience the book pretty fresh. So the book is The River We Remember and that's because Ordinary Grace, it's the same author. Now Kathleen knows this very well. I do not like series. Um, I love a good standalone book, right? Mm -hmm. Fans of Maurice Sendak. Um, And so I really loved his writing so much and what I like about it, it's like, it's the things about a series that I like, which is I enjoyed this book and oh, so many elements about this book, but it leaves away the part, like Kat said, I don't want it to explain to me. Don't remind me oh, what happened because I've forgotten for sure, right? And so I love not having to read the first three chapters where the author is trying to, in a really well-written literary way, remind you of all the things you've forgotten. So I feel like this solves both of those for me. And a, the very quick synopsis is that so, once again, this is in a small town in Minnesota, and a person is found dead, and then it's it's got murder, so Kathleen, oh. you might think about it. Um, but I think it also will have a really interesting exploration of relationships, and it has all the necessary wonderful parts, right? Publisher of a local newspaper, an aging deputy, and a crusading female lawyer. Let's go, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, that's it. I'm excited about it. It comes out September 5th. Those are both great, like spooky season starters there. We've got murder,
3: we've got haunted houses. I'm going to take us to the real King of Spooky Seasons, which is family drama. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to recommend Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo. It just came out this month. I haven't read it yet, but I love Acevedo's YA novels. I'm not much of a young adult reader, but I really love the way that she writes about families and relationships specifically. Um, so when I heard she was coming out with an adult novel, I was absolutely over the moon. I know that it involves one sister who can predict the day that she is going to die, and she invites all of her family over <laughs> for her living wake ah. so that all of the family secrets can be just completely aired out, and I am here to live vicariously through someone else's family drama. <laughs> so very
2: excited for that. We call that Thanksgiving. Yes, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Oh.
0: Uh, All right, so the first book that I'm really looking forward to in the fall is The Water Outlaws by S.L. Huang, which is coming out at the end of this month, actually, August 22nd. It's kind of sneaking in there. But this is a retelling or reinterpretation of The Water Margin, which is a classic Chinese tale from the 14th century. But it's gender-bent, and I have to say, the amount of good press and reviews that the other authors that I've read this year have been giving this are... Wild. It has gender bent characters in like an epic fantasy setting, focusing on bandits, people living on the outside of society, fighting back against tyranny, and supposed to be unputdownable, breakneck pace, incredible action. And it also said in the summary that it's about ungovernable gender. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I really yeah, want to know that. more.
1: I love that. <laughs>
0: so excited to to get my hands on that.
1: That sounds good. All right. So my second book is Sure I'll Join Your Cult by Maria Bamford.
0: I love that title. <laughs>
1: So uh, this one is, um, this is a memoir by the comedian Maria Bamford. She's known for her stand-up, her Netflix show Lady Dynamite, and uh, so I'm a big fan. She's super funny. And this one is... Like, I, I just think the framework is really fascinating. So it's sort of about, like, belonging. So from everything from Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People to Suzuki Violin Training, Richard Simmons, and 12-step programs. Those are the things. So I'm I'm excited to read this one. This is all the stuff that she kind of talks about in her stand-up. So I'm just, I'm interested to see it in a memoir format.
2: Okay. Um, my last recommendation is A Volga Tale by Gutzel Yakina. And apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. So... I have said so many times on the podcast, I try to read a book in translation at least once every year. And so this is translated from Russian. The translator is Polly Gannon, and I I do actually follow certain translators. So this book is getting a lot of buzz in the international world. The premise is that the Volga is the longest river in Europe, and it sort of divides the continent. In one side, you have mountains, large Russian cities, and stone churches, and the other side is a little bit more small villages farmlands and so the book is essentially a love story but then there's this huge tragedy and then eventually um one of the uh lovers jacob bach and again i don't know what has unraveled but he ends up raising his daughter by himself and he tells her fairy tales that he invents and this is the quote that got me to want to read the book it says that slowly life in the german colonies along the volga begin to resemble the stories that he creates it feels like something that's ready for warm blankets and tea oh, in yeah. front of a fire, so I'm in.
3: Sounds so cozy. Yes, it does. Delightful. Um, so my next pick is OK Psyche by Anya Johanna De Niro. I picked this, honestly, largely because I follow a very small publishing house called Smell Beer Press, which is run by Kelly Link and her husband. Um, they published A Stranger in Olandria, yes. and they published a lot of unique titles that I don't really see elsewhere. I'm always surprised by the books they put out, and this one follows a unnamed trans woman trying to navigate really complicated relationships with her son and her ex. Meanwhile, the world is falling apart. Environmental disasters from the coast are being outsourced to the Midwest. People are starting to engage with companion robots. And I love small stories about everyday people in weird science fiction settings. Um, it's only about 200 pages, so I'm excited to just sit down and, and read this in a breathless afternoon.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds really interesting. I might have to pick that one up. Um, one that I am excited about reading this fall is The Vaster Wilds by Lauren Groff. That's out on September 12th. Lauren Groff is the author of the book Matrix, which is something that I read a little while ago and truly loved. And this is about a, a serving girl who escapes a colonial settlement in the Americas into the wilderness and she's really not prepared for that situation at all and it follows her as she tries to survive in this environment where she is not well adapted to or suited for as well as looking at why she is so desperate to get away from the place that she knows and it is supposed to be a harrowing and kind of brutal story but I've read Lauren Groff's previous work and I really enjoyed it so I'm definitely willing to to go out on a limb here people seem to really like it in the early reviews but this is a reach for me because I don't like the trauma
1: oh <laughs> you don't like the? Tra- I love the trauma I know when I you said be- harrowing I was like ooh, ooh brutal
2: ooh <laughs>
1: Well, my last pick is uh, it's actually a YA book, and it is another spooky season pick. Uh, What's Talks Among Us by Sarah Hollowell, uh, which is out September 12th. This is about two best friends who ditch their end-of-the-year school trip, and instead they're exploring some old forgotten back roads, and they come across a giant abandoned corn maze. <laughs> And when they get inside the corn maze, they stumble upon corpses that are identical to them in every way. Incredible. I love a scary corn
0: maze. I'm base. all in on this.
1: I'm so in. So I was immediately drawn Wait, to this. They
2: they resemble them in certain ways? In every way. Oh. Ooh, that's... Ooh.
1: And I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm so intrigued by the premise. I lived in Indiana for four years. So the idea of unseasonal corn mazes is chilling. It's a very flat place. If there is corn coming up, you're going to notice... It's not right. Uh, so I, I already knew this author was from Indiana before I even looked her up. I like, yeah, that makes sense. It's just, like, such an irresistible premise, and I'm, I'm really excited. I'm not so, over the pun yet. What stalks? Yeah. Like, corn stalks? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I know. Perfect
3: with like, a, a big bucket of popcorn kind of read to me.
1: Yeah. No, you just need, like, popcorn, maybe a dark and stormy night, and it just, it seems like a lot of fun, so. Although, I think trauma, too. Yeah, that's a no for
2: me. <laughs> It feels a little bit like spooky season mixed with like going to your therapist.
1: I don't, <laughs> that's what,
3: horror is, that's to what me. horror is to me. Yeah, I was going to say. The way yeah. I get through horror is I'm like, this is so sad. That's how I get through it. I'm like, this is so sad. And yeah, then it, it roots yeah. some of the fear. Well,
2: <laughs> I'll have to think about that one. But I couldn't read it being alone in the room, I don't oh, think. That's fair. Okay, my last recommendation, and I'm so sorry, I'm going to hit the food thing again, but if you're familiar with the Best American series, they do like the Best American short stories, they do the Best American this, they probably they probably do the Best American horror stories. I initially followed the Best Food Writing, which wasn't part of the Best American series, and it was published from, I think, 2000 to 2017, and the reason why I'm recommending is, well, oh, so to finish the story... Um, in two thousand, from two thousand to two thousand and seventeen, it was edited by Holly Hughes, and I used to love it. And I came across so many incredible bits of food writing. Um, there's just there's just one chapter just on bacon that's just like possibly the best literature I've read. Anyway, <laughs> so in two thousand and eighteen forward, they moved away from that format, and now they have some incredible culinary slash writer uh, take over as editor for just that one year. So, for example, Ruth Rachel who wrote Ooh, Come For uh, Me movie. With Apples, or um, Gabriel Hamilton, who wrote, I believe, Blood, Butter, and Bones. Yep. Um, and so, this fall, it will be edited by Mark Bittman, who's he's a little bit more of a minimalist guy. But the reason why I'm excited about this fall, because one of the problems I've had is, like, attention span. So for that <sighs> night, when you just want to relax with a book, but you don't have the energy, uh-huh. um, to get back into a meteor book, I love just picking up and reading one or two short bits about great food.
3: That's what I love about short story collections as well. I find that yes. it, it scratches that same itch.
2: Yes, yes. It's like, it's, it's like having a great chocolate instead of a massive porterhouse steak. Exactly. So I'm
3: here for the chocolate. Uh, my next recommendation, when uh, we got the call to pick out upcoming releases, I was like, oh no, because I am a children's librarian, which means I am very on the beat of upcoming kids' books. And I had to look at so many lists of upcoming adult books because I forgot every single one that existed. Um, But the one that I'm really excited about from the children's world is Eagle Drums. It's by Nazugrak Rainey Hopkins, who's of the Inupiaq people. And it is a middle grade, so fourth to sixth grade-ish, reimagining of the Inupiaq story of the messenger feast. I'm really excited by this book because I think we have a lot of middle grade stories that are supposedly about indigenous peoples in Alaska and Northern Canada by white authors that are extremely inaccurate. And I'm excited to recommend this book for that reason. Also, the story of the messenger feast itself was um, actually banned from being told and the, the sacred traditions surrounding it were also banned for a couple centuries. So to see this work come back into the light of day in traditional ownership as well by a new person is extremely exciting. I also read the first chapter and the writing was amazing. And Hopkins is an illustrator. So there's beautiful watercolor landscapes of the Alaskan scenery throughout the book. I recommend it for all ages because I think it's good for everybody to read a middle grade novel now and again. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm really excited about. It releases September 12th as well.
0: Okay. I guess then it's up to me to kind of round this out with my final pick, which is The Fraud by Zadie Smith. This is a historical fiction novel that revolves around the Tishborn trial, which is an actual trial that happened when a lower-class butcher from Australia claimed that he was, in fact, the missing heir to a vast estate and title. The mother of the missing person met this guy and said, Yeah, this is my son. The rest of the family said, no way, what is going on? England itself was also thinking, no way, who is this guy? What's going on?
2: Wait, I know that story.
0: And this became basically the Victorian trial of the century. Mm-hmm. All of Victorian England was obsessed with this trial. And the story is is kind of surrounding that and two characters, like fictional characters that are surrounding it too. But I'm really just here for an exploration of this weird fictional trial history. That's yeah. so fascinating to me. And Zadie Smith's other works, you know, kind of speaking for that kind of quality, awesome. I'm, right. I'm all in on this.
2: So what are you guys reading next?
1: All right, so for our season five premiere in October, we are reading Our Wives Under the Sea by Julia Armfield, which is going to be a heavy read. I'm so excited. Uh, Wait, how heavy? This book is my fault, deeply traumatizing. I like when things are your fault. It works
3: out for me. <laughs> I, you know, when I read this book, I made my fiancé hold me as I cried <laughs> when I finished it.
0: Whoa. <laughs> yes, Sam. Oh.
3: So They've been planning on reading it. And then the next day, I was like, do you want me to keep this? I can just return it to the library or I can keep it here since you were going to read it. And they were like, you know, I'm not interested anymore
1: because <laughs> it was that sad. Uh, so just a brief synopsis to get everyone excited? Question mark. Uh, <laughs> So, Miri thinks that she's gotten her wife back when Leah finally returns from a deep sea mission that ended in catastrophe. It's soon clear, though, that Leah maybe came back wrong. She's not the same person that she was, and whatever happened in that vessel, which is very mysterious, she brought back part of it with her onto dry land.
2: Wait, like realistic fiction or science fiction? More speculative.
1: It's speculative. You don't really know what's going on. A lot of weirdness. Kind of spooky.
2: Very sad. Way more metaphor than heart sex. So, okay, on a scale of one to five, how many blood drops? How many teardrops?
1: Teardrops?
2: A lot. A tissue box. Five? <laughs> this is a five teardrop book. I'm buff. thinking based <laughs> on the
0: situation of, of four. I mean, it
3: really depends on how you feel about this. Because, like, what I, what I love about Hard Under the Sea is it's chapter by chapter. You'll have a chapter from Miri's perspective and you're like devastated with grief and then the next chapter will happen and it's, you know, what happened in the submarine and you're terrified and it's just back and forth like that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's very brief. It's under 250 pages. It's short. All right. All right. All right.
0: It's a quick trip to the bottom of the sea.
2: (laughs) What could go wrong? Everything. Everything
3: could go
0: wrong.
2: All right. All right. I will shore myself up for this read.
0: All right, everyone. That's all the time we've got for this very special episode of the Book Solid podcast.
2: You have something to say. I, I have a surprise. A surprise? A surprise? Yes. It's actually a little bit of an outing and a surprise. So I just wanted to share with everyone. First of all, it's not a very good surprise because you probably smelled it. No? You
1: can't, oh, no. You can't smell anything? No. What?
2: <laughs> I'm so intrigued.
0: This is a bonus concept. I don't a bonus know episode. if this
2: is a metaphor or if you're literally smelling something. Is so it- I just wanted to share with the audience that... Um, when I left the podcast, which was really tragic, um, and James agreed to come on board, oh no! There was a price extracted. There yes. was. We 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 drew up a, con- a contract. I think on like a, a napkin, yeah, or a paper plate, and he agreed to step in, um, unless you thought it was altruism, <laughs> never, um, never. And so, do you remember the cost?
0: It was Toll House cookies.
2: Do you remember how many Toll House cookies? Was it
0: 30? No. No. That would have been... Um, would
2: have been first toll. of all, I was completely aggravated because I like to cook elaborate things, and I tried to talk them into something more interesting than the classic American Toll House cookie. But it sort of fits the theme. So it was three dozen Toll House cookies.
3: Mm, and yes. guess what I brought today? Oh no my way. gosh. Three dozen. Oh, three it's dozen cookies. So <laughs>
2: Cole ass cookies. Oh my god. Which is binding to you. Oh my you. god.
0: Um, I, I, I'm, for I'm yet booked. another season. Book for another season. Book for another You're
2: season. season. Solid. You can't get out. Oh. <laughs> um, but no, the reason why I thought you guys could smell because I literally pulled it out of the oven five oh. minutes before I left the house and I was afraid it would they steam. Do seem fresh. And so I couldn't <laughs> cover it. None of you raised smell it. I was stressed no, that my podcast, secret was out.
3: Podcast listeners can't see this, but I need you to uh. imagine the most perfect circles of golden brown, <laughs> dough, chunky chocolate chips, just emerging enough to make you start salivating.
0: And you're no. like, "Why do you want the Toll House cookies? Come on!" And I'm like, "This is like this a is dragon's horde. Right? Uh, you could you could have opened this up there'd been gold bars in there." I'd be like, eh, "Yeah, Toll House cookies."
2: All right, so, but I believe the. Uh, the outstanding balance has been paid for the upcoming season. I think you're locked in. Thanks locked for in. having me back. <laughs> it was such a delight. It was so no, It's was it was so incredible to this have you so back. In, in case I was terrible, I, I always bring baked goods so nobody can be angry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a delight. This was really fun. Thank you for having me back.